0: This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, episode 14. It's time to take an interest in interest. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious. Be stable. Be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Great to have everyone with us today. Uh, This is your host, Mark Willis, and with me in the studio this morning is Katrina Willis. Hello. And Holly Buck.
1: Hello, hello.
0: All right, we're getting into a toolbox episode. If you can recall our last episode, we're starting a series, occasional recurring series, where we dive deep into some financial concepts, some financial jargon that may not be average to the uh, to the to our listeners. But we'd love to introduce you to some of these ideas and see why they're relevant to you. So today we're going to be taking a look at something called interest, and there's two different kinds of interest out there. There's simple and compound interest. And there's there's also two ways that these interests can affect us, okay? You can pay interest or you can earn interest. So compound and simple, pay and earn in that kind of X, Y axis, right? So which do you want to pay? Which one do you want to earn? Well, Investopedia explains compound interest this way. The more frequently interest is added to the principal, so that's the money maybe you owe, for example, the faster the principal grows and the higher that compound interest will be. The frequency at which the interest is compounded is established at the initial stages of securing the loan. Okay, so think like if you owe uh, a a credit card 10,000 bucks and it's charging you 10% and you never pay anything back, that's compound interest getting bigger and bigger, like a snowball, like an avalanche. Investopedia explains simple interest by saying All right, simple interest is called simple because it ignores the effects of compounding. The interest charge is always based on that original principle. So interest is uh, not compounding. Interest on interest is not included. This uh, method may be used to find interest charges for short-term loans uh, where ignoring compounding is less of an issue. All right, so that's what Investopedia says. If your payment frequency is less than your compounding frequency, all right, so if you're paying less frequently than your money is compounding uh, against you, then compound interest occurs between the payments. So a lot of people don't realize that credit cards, for example, are charging you interest every single day. But we don't typically make a payment every day, we typically make a payment once a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that interest is always based on that original principle. So interest on interest is not included, that's simple interest. So if you're paying monthly, but your financial institution like your bank or your credit card is compounding uh, your interest daily, then that compounding occurs between your monthly payments every single day. That's where compound uh, growth is a problem for you, Uh, okay? So that's really where things are. Any guys have any comments or questions on that?
2: No, I think I'm good. All right, cool.
0: (laughs) Well, then let's get get right into what Albert Einstein said about compound growth, because that's the one we're most familiar with is compound interest. He said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Uh, he who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. Compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe. Let that sink in for a minute. Think of like, uh, oh, like an explosion in outer space, uh, a black hole just consuming more and more and more faster and faster. Or think of algae on a lake that just <laughs> overcomes the lake, right? It gets faster and faster. The more it grows, the crazier it gets. It's like a roller coaster that only is going downhill and is frictionless. That's the power of uninterrupted compound growth. Okay, so everyone is involved in this game. Uh, Everybody's involved in the interest matrix. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, You finance everything you buy, even if you pay cash, guys. So either you pay interest to a bank, like credit cards or mortgages, or you pass up interest you could have earned on that money had you left it invested instead. Okay. so. I'm off my little soup soapbox. Why don't we get into some real figures here, Holly?
2: Yeah. So um, wanted to share a little example and kind of chart with you guys here today. And we're going to do our best, like we've done in the past, to try and share visual graphs verbally
1: <laughs> with yeah. you guys. So
2: um, certainly we'll kind of go through the numbers here. And if uh, you need reference, you know, it'll be up on our show notes for sure that you guys can look at it there. Um, but when it comes to compound growth, uh, Mark, you're so right in, in the, the power of compound growth and the way that it works and how it can affect your money. Because ultimately, this is a financial podcast. Yeah. So you know how does, how does compound growth relate to growing your money? Um, and so just want to go through one quick example with you guys here. Um, we ran a just kind of real quick, rough uh, kind of graph of what it would look like to take $10,000, just take $10,000, put it inside something and have it grow at 6% compound growth you know, 6% a year for 50 years. Okay. So I put $10,000 in on day one, don't make any additional contributions or anything else to it. I just let it sit there and grow, grow, grow 6% compound growth uh, for 50 years. So at the end of those 50 years, that $10,000, so just the original $10,000 would have grown to 170,000. All okay. Right. So that is the power of compound growth. And, and certainly if you guys do look up the show notes and look at this, I mean, you'll when you see what compound growth looks like, it's an exponential curve. And so it looks a lot like if you were to imagine you know, a plane taking off on a runway, you know, kind of starts off flat, going for a little while, but then all of a sudden it just takes off and almost goes vertical. I mean, if you're looking at this graph, I mean, we reach a point at year 50 where we're almost just like straight up and down. Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful mm-hmm. to see and it's an amazing thing. And when you think about that being your money, you're like, oh, absolutely, I want that. How do I get my money to look like that? I want it going vertical, mm-hmm. that'd be great. Um, and so that's typically you know, what people are trying to do. I mean, that, that's the entire point of, of people investing their money and people putting their money in vehicles as they say, hey, I wanna grow it. And when they think of that, they're thinking compound growth. They're thinking that this dynamic would be at play for their money and their finances. And so, you know, of course, then that's the question. So how do we, you know, earn compound growth? Well, you have to put it into something that's going to grow. grow. Right, Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, and whatever, yeah, and whatever that rate may be, you know, whether that's one percent, five percent, ten percent, or thirty percent, you know, whatever that growth rate is, it has to be in something growing in order for this compound dynamic to take effect. Um, And so, what do most people do? You know, when you kind of look around and say, "Hey, you know, where are you earning your compound growth?" Uh, Most people are going to be investing and putting their money in the stock market. Right, Mm -hmm. they're going to be putting their money in mutual funds or whatever it may be um, to. try and earn this type of compound growth. Uh, But the trouble with the stock market is that people are never actually going to achieve this type of compound growth that we're talking about uh, because of the risk that's involved and the fact that there will be periods of time where you'll experience a negative return, okay? So no matter how you know, large or minor or whatever the case may be, that negative return is—it's going to happen. It's the stock market, okay? Um, and so, what we wanted to talk about is what happens and what effect those negative periods have on the growth of your money and the the um, how it kind of works against your compound growth. So you've got compound growth working for you, but then you have these negative periods and times of loss working against you, you know, and and just totally ruining uh, the growth that you're trying to achieve. So those are kind of the examples I want to run through next. So uh, the next thing that we did with our little graph is we looked at what would happen if we just introduced one loss, okay, to this beautiful, (laughs) amazing exponential compound growth curve that we we created, okay? So if we just take a one-time loss, okay, and so if we did a one-time 20% loss in year 10, Okay. Then we've actually ended up with $45,000 less at wow. the end of that 50-year period. So we still put the same $10,000 in. It's still growing at 6% a year compound. But just one time, year 10, instead of getting 6%, we got 20%. But then it continued to grow at 6% for every year after that. And it still resulted in $45,000 less at the end of that 50-year That's period. Amazing.
0: Yeah, one little dip made a big difference there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and funny enough, the in, the investment advisor could still tell you, hey, I got you, you know, uh, some average rate of return, but you know the the one dip made all the difference there.
2: Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And so I mean, you know, forty five thousand, you might be thinking, eh, it's not that much, but when we're talking about one hundred and seventy thousand being the outcome, and then forty five thousand dollars less, I mean, we're down to almost you know one hundred and twenty thousand. Yep. I mean, there. Boom. You know, there's there's a pretty big percentage of it, um, and so what what you see when you look at the graph is is that our curve got flattened. You know, it's not as steep as it was uh, after we introduced that one time loss. Okay, uh, so then the next example is we wanted to look at you know what it would be if we had two periods of loss okay because let's be honest, uh, right. you know what actually ever just experiences a loss once okay I mean I don't I don't know of anything that's at risk that's only lost once. Um, and so our next kind of line that you'll look at in our graph shows two losses of 20%. okay so we have two different times now where we're losing 20% rather than earning that 6% positive growth. And if you think that's not possible, you think that's, you know, oh, that's crazy talk. That'll never happen anyways. uh, Please reference 2001 Mm -hmm. and 2008. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Because we've gone through this. And in fact, actually it was a whole lot worse (laughs) than just a 20% loss. So our money has actually experienced this. So we're not just talking about, you know, random examples. I mean, these things happen and have played out in history. So this is exactly what's happening to your money and why you don't have as much today as you thought you would um, or should. So anyway, so we now have a second period of loss of 20% now uh, that happened in year five and, and also in year 10. And overall, those two periods of loss, uh, you know, if we take those into account, we now have 43% less growth on our money than in the example where we had no loss. And it was just straight compound year after year after year. So almost half. Yeah. We have half as much money yeah. just because two years we took a loss.
0: And Holly, you've been very kind in this chart to put the, the losses at the beginning. You know, what, <laughs> if, what if we'd had 20% loss at the end of the game, mm-hmm. where most people are ready to retire and need those dollars more than ever, you know, you've been very kind to show those corrections, quote unquote, corrections, nothing correct about a market loss, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, at the end of the game, when people are most needing that money is when it can most devastate you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is fin- fantastic. Well,
2: and, and I agree with that. You know, certainly, you know, it's going to have an even more devastating effect in people's uh, or affect sorry at pe- the end of people's lives or towards their retirement years but i think also that this shows the right. impact of the fact i mean what do you hear what does every 20 30 4 year old you know 40 year old mm-hmm. tell you they tell you oh i have time to make it out. wait up. it out yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you know i i have enough time that i'll be able to you know overcome it i'll i'll be fine you know i'm i'm young and this shows that just because you're young, taking that loss can still have a huge impact on your you know later outcome. I mean, it can be fifty percent less, uh, less growth that you would have gotten um, because you experienced that loss. And it doesn't it's matter crazy. when it happens., yeah. it's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. well, and and you know, do you when do you want your market loss to happen? Never. It's never acceptable to lose that kind of cash. And we're just looking at 20%. Like you said, we've had more devastating losses in real calendar years in our lifetime uh, than, than what you've shown here. Mm-hmm. What's half of your money gone mean for you? you know, does that mean we're going from double ply to single ply in retirement? Does this mean that we're only gonna eat every other day?
1: You're talking about toilet paper. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: real world stuff.
0: All right, so banks, <laughs> banks understand compound interest. Banks get this. They understand the tool of interest. That's how they were created. That's why they even exist. You guys don't realize that most people don't realize that banks don't own any real assets. Not many anyway. You know, you think about it, you walk into a bank and you hand them a deposit of, let's say a thousand bucks. What are they gonna do with that money? Are they gonna, is there some shoebox under the desk that they're just gonna put that money in? No, of course not. They're gonna loan it out to the next guy in line, right? <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal that we put up with this. So fractional reserve banking, you can look this up, check out what the Dodd-Frank rules say. Now we've gone all the way up to 10% capital requirements. That means if I put $1,000 in a bank account, they can keep a whole $100 on their books and it's an accounting measure, but they go ahead and just loan out the rest uh, and charge everybody else compound interest 10%, right? How much am I getting on my $1,000 that isn't really there? Not 10% on my savings account.
2: Yeah. Right? Well, nothing if it's a checking account, most likely, right, and right. a savings account. They're giving you a generous point zero 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 one percent.
0: And if you if you uh, if you look at some bank financial statements, you'll see that the loans that they give out are considered assets on their ledger, but the deposits that they have that we make that we people human beings put into the bank are considered liabilities, because we can demand that deposit at any time. Fascinating stuff. And why do they think hmm. of this uh, debt? This uh, these loans that they're giving out as assets because they get the power of compound interest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the power of compound interest. So let's switch over into a visual here. Imagine I gave you uh, a thirty-day time frame, and with that thirty-day time frame, you got a penny on day one, day two that doubles, and you get two pennies. Day three that doubles, you get four pennies. I'm gonna give you two choices. Choice number one, after 30 days, you get the result of the pennies doubling every day for 30 days, or I'll just write you a check for $1 million on day 30. Which choice would you like to take, Mark and Holly?
0: Do I have to wait 30 days for the million or would you write me the check right now? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> well well pennies pennies those are nothing i mean what do those get you these days i mean like they're like laying on the floor and they're all over fountains in the malls i mean pennies <laughs> don't have any real value yeah, anymore do you Except think? to
0: destroy the vacuum that you're trying to use yeah, and, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah so
1: i mean i want the million dollars
2: yeah come on I a mean, I... million
1: dollars that sounds awesome well how much do you think you get after 30 days of a penny doubling over... more a lot of pennies
0: yeah it'd be a heavy yeah trip to the bank
1: yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that penny doubling leaves us with roughly $5.3 million. What? Million. Put the pinky the,
0: finger in the air I,
1: My pinky is in the air. <laughs> $5.3 million versus the $1 million check. Wow. So you'd pass
2: up on $4.3 million if you took the million dollar check instead of the pennies? You are wow. correct.
0: So the wow. day day 29 to day 30, I'm looking at the chart here. Went from 2.6 million to 5.3 million. That's in one day. Wow.
2: Because it's doubling. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Phenomenal. So that's compound interest. And again, most people are at least f- vaguely aware that that exists in the world out there. Of course, what we have to remember, guys, is that this is not out there, this is all around us. Every time we make a purchase, uh, we're involving ourselves in compound interest. Uh, go back and listen to opportunity cost another one of our toolbox episodes to learn more about that. All right, but let's look at simple interest with the minutes we have left. Simple interest is simple to understand, but it's rare. Banks don't like to collect it. Savers don't like to earn it. Uh, But if you're the borrower and you have a simple interest loan, you are loving it. That's how this kind of uh, simple interest works. So if credit cards, by the way, if they had on their application paperwork Uh, let's say that they had a little checkbox on their paperwork as you're filling out the application for your new credit card, and you had the choice to either select simple interest or compound interest. Think about that for a minute. Which one would you choose? Well, man, if it's me, I'd be checking that simple interest checkbox with vigor. I'd be all over that thing because it's way better deal for me to be charged simple interest.
2: Yeah, so just want to talk real quickly about why that is. So, uh, we talked about how interest can affect you in two different ways. You can either earn it or you can pay it. And so, I'm going to be talking about paying interest, okay, in order to kind of explain how simple interest and compound uh, interest are, you know, similar and different. And when it comes to simple and compound, really the big difference comes down to how your monthly payments are attributed to your loan uh, when you have a, you know, a, a debt that's outstanding and it's either a simple interest loan or a compound interest loan the only difference between it is what they're going to do with your monthly payment when you mail it in and you know they receive it so most loans out there like we talked about are compound okay so credit cards car loans mortgages you know they're compound uh, interest loans so when you make a payment to that compound interest loan the company is going to split your payment between principal and interest so you've probably actually seen this. If you ever kind of pick apart your loan statements, uh, you might actually see where they say, hey, you know, you sent in $300, $200 of this went toward interest, and $100 went towards your principal. Okay, so they're going to be taking, especially in the beginning of the loan, they're going to be taking the majority of your payments and putting it towards paying your interest rather than your principal. So what does that mean? It means that you're gonna be paying off your principal much slower. And so there's going to be a higher balance for the duration of that loan that they're going to be calculating your interest based on. So pretty much this guarantees it's gonna take you longer to pay your loan off and you'll end up paying more interest in the long run because you're paying that interest first and your principal last. So that's your kind of typical uh, compound interest loan where simple interest is different. When you make that payment, so you go ahead and mail in that $300 check to the, you know, loan company, they're going to take that full $300 and they're going to put all of it, 100% of it straight towards your principal. So you'll actually be paying off your principal first and then you pay off your interest last, okay? So really you end up paying a lot less interest in the long run because your principal balance is being depleted at a far greater, faster rate. Um, and what they're calculating that interest in the future based on is a smaller balance. Um, so imagine you know, if you could do this with your student loans, if right. you could switch from mm-hmm. paying compound to simple or really any loan you have but I mean especially these these student loans that oftentimes have such long um, time horizons with them you know people paying them off for 10 20 30 years if you have compound interest working against you that entire time I mean the the difference between simple and compound in that instance is just going to be astronomical
0: yeah mortgages I mean people don't think about this often but the first five six years it's all based almost all of its interest mm-hmm. so it's all about who's first in line. Is it the bank in, in line first for your money? That's interest first, that's compound interest against you, or are you first in line paying directly down on your principal? Mm-hmm. Great stuff.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what you guys are saying is that simple interest is calculated on the principal or the original amount of the loan and compound interest is calculated on the principal amount and also the accumulated interest of the of previous periods. So it's like interest on interest.
0: Compound. Yep.
1: Um, I've got a definition of simple interest from Merriam-Webster. It says, simple interest is the interest paid or computed on the original principal only. So that's kind of yeah. nice. So if you are negotiating a loan with someone, you want to get simple rates, and you also want to pay the principal first, regardless of what you guys work out. If yeah.
0: You can. If you can find a bank that's willing to do that, that's great. You know, uh, so we have a, a quick example here of a guy named Alex who borrows 1000 bucks from the bank and he pays it back over two years and he's got a simple interest loan. So the bank is gonna charge simple interest. Uh, and let's say that that ends up being 10% uh, simple interest. So, you know, Alex gets the thousand bucks next year, he's gonna owe hundred bucks to the bank. And if he makes no payments that whole year and then makes no payments another year, so now we're two years in, he's only gonna be uh, owing 100 times two years not getting more and more, uh, you know, the interest is not accumulating like a snowball, it's simple interest. Hope that makes sense for everybody. Uh, And so we've got a neat little chart that we'll put up on the show notes that kind of lays this out in an easy fashion.
2: Yep. As far as what you want to be paying and what you want to be earning. Uh, So we've been talking about how there's compound interest, there's simple interest, and you want to pay one kind and you want to earn another, right? So based on what we've shared with you guys here today, you know, do you want to, when it comes to paying interest, do you want to pay simple or do you want to pay compound?
0: Oh, simple. Simple. Big time. Simple. Easy. Right?
2: Absolutely. But then when you're earning interest, which one do you want to earn? Simple or compound? Compound. I
0: want that J curve you were talking. So beautiful. Yep. Yep. Exactly right.
2: So we kind of want to have this best of both worlds where we want to be earning compound interest, but only paying simple interest. So really that begs the question, okay, well, how do I do that? If that's the best thing that I can be doing with my money, I can be growing it exponentially, but only paying it, you know, in the simple calculation, how in the world is that possible where can I find this um, and so really just kind of want to reference back to one of the foundational financial strategies that we've been talking about you know in this podcast and the work that we do uh, called bank on yourself and that's actually exactly how these bank on yourself policies we've, we've been talking about work um, so you know just kind of a quick example here that if we were to borrow you know ten thousand dollars from our policy, and we were to take it from that, then we would be paying simple interest on those loans. The loans that you take on a bank on yourself policy are simple interest. However, we've talked about before how our money can actually continue growing for us, even after we've taken that loan out. And so then we are earning compound interest on it. So we're actually not only are we earning compound interest and paying simple, but we're doing both at the exact same time, which right. is even more incredible due to opportunity costs that we talked about in our last episode. Mm-hmm. So really this is, you know, one way where you'd be able to get the boat the best of both worlds where you can be earning compound, but then only paying simple interest when it comes to your money. And in this example of, you know, the $10,000, your money would grow over a four-year period. If you were to take that loan out, your money would grow to $12,000, $12,421 for about $2,400 of interest. Uh, but the interest that we would pay in the simple interest is only seven hundred and sixty-four dollars. So the we, money
0: was doing two things at once. There, doing the okay. same thing, right same
2: on. time. Yeah. So it grew by twenty-four hundred, but we only paid, you know, seven hundred six hundred or seven seven hundred and sixty dollars um, on that loan. Let's just say we bought a car.
0: So so if I had a savings account and I drained my savings account to pay cash for the car, I wouldn't be having to come up with seven hundred and sixty-four dollars of interest but it'd also be out the $2,400, gone, right? Okay.
2: Exactly, because there's nothing in your savings account to continue earning. Um, And that is opportunity cost, which was our last episode. Um, And so that is why, you know, this concept is so powerful and beats even paying cash. So if you're going to buy the car anyway, you know, this is absolutely the best way to do it. We're overcoming opportunity cost and we're getting compound growth and we're only paying simple interest.
0: I'm going to check that box with vigor all the same. Awesome, guys. Well, let's wrap this episode up as we're coming in for a landing. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future.